Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the life and Torah of our leaders. Tuesday mornings, 11.30, with First Seder Bes Medrash live. And a special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will, Bez Hashem, be participating and joining the Shir as well. Today, we are going to talk about Harav Yaakov Etlinger, better known as the Oruch Laner, whose yard site will be on the first day of Hanukkah, Chof Hei Kislev. He was Nifter in 1871, so this will be his 149th yard site. So, there's a city in southwest Germany that's called, it's called Karlsruhe. It's in a region called Baden. I think that's how you pronounce it. B-A-D-E-N in English. And um, it's a region on, in the southwest of Germany. And this city, Karlsruhe, was uh, established in the year 1714. And there were Jews from a, a small city, about 10 kilometers from Karlsruhe, that moved into this new city. And the name of the city they ca came from was Etlingen. Etlingen. So the... Um, People who came from that city be called, were called Etlinger, that they came from the city of Etlingen. Um, one of the Rabbonim um, in Karlsruhe was the Karban Nisanel, famous Rav, the Pirish, and the Rush. He actually finished his Sefer Karban Nisanel when he was a Rav in that city. And the families that came from Etlingen and the Etlinger family, as we will call them, were from the Nichbode Akila, they were from the Chasheva people in the city Karlsruhe. So this is the family of Yaakov Etlinger in the city of Karlsruhe that they came from that city. His father was named Reb Aaron, his mother was named was Rechel, and after three daughters, Reb Yaakov was born on Choftes Ador of 1798, Tafkuf Nunches. His father was the Rosh Hashiva of the Kloys of that place. And we'll see a little bit later in the Shear exactly what the difference between a Kloys and a regular Yeshiva is. But the local Yeshiva, his father, Rabban, was the Rosh Hashiva. And Rabbi Yaakov became one of the Talmidim of his father. And in the Akdama to his first Sefer called Bikure Yaakov, An Hilchas Lulav and Dalad Minim. We will talk about it later in the Shir. So there's actually two Hakdamas, because he printed it twice, as we will see. It happens to be the version that I have, is an older print, um, has the only the second Hakdama. However, in the newer prints, they have the first Hakdama as well. And in that Hakdama, he writes, Uvein Chachomim Gidoilim. I'm sorry, Ven Chachomim Gidalni. I was brought up amongst wise people. Mi Be'er Mayim Chayim from the well of the Mayim Chayim. Chachma Sadoini Ovi Moiri Sha'avti. I drew water, I drew Chachma from the Chachma of my father, Ovi Moiri. He has Chuvas. Later on in life, they kept up his father and him, Chuvas in, 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 in Halacha and Divrei Torah. And, um, and, on the title page of all of his Svarim, he writes a similar Lashon in each one, and he writes, Arachti, I made this Sefer, L'zichroinu l'kavad avoysai hayekarim v'atamimim, for the remembrance and the honor of my parents, 
Um, the special ones, the Tzmimim, Hayisharim, Yanucho, Amishkavaisim, Meganeidem, Nishmasam. It would seem to me that some of the Svarim, his father had not been Nifter yet, so it doesn't say Ganeiden. Other Svarim, he was Nifter, it says Ganeiden. But he dedicated on the title page, the front title page, always that he wrote it, Lekzichroin, of his uh, forefathers and his parents. Um, and uh, he writes also in the Hakdama to Aruch Laner and Yevamis that I wrote this Chibur Laner Nishmas Avoisai Yelech Hashuim Lem Hayisi. I was a beloved child to them. I grew up Alberkayim on their needs, and uh, they uh, taught me the Derech Hakodesh Derech Hachayim. And he writes that he actually named his Sefer Aruch Laner for numerous reasons, one of them being that Aruch Laner is the same gematria as Aroin Rechel. His, his mother and his father, Aroin and Rechel. So he dedicated, you see, he lived with the covet of his parents and his father, um, who was one of his rabbeim, his entire life. In the year Tafresh Test, we're just jumping ahead, in 1849, um, he had come to visit his parents' home, the Aruch Laner, and in the middle of talking and learning with his father, his father was Nifter Mitoich Divrei Taira, in the middle of talking Divrei Taira, and when he eulogized his father, he said that his father was Mekayim Zois HaTaira Adam Kiyamus Ba'ayel, that this is the Taira of a person who dies learning Taira, Kiyamus Ba'ayel, but he wrote, I'm sorry, he said in the eulogy that my father didn't just die at this point, and be Mekayim, the words of Adam Kiyamus Ba'ayel, his entire life was one long chain, one long shalsheles, sharsheres, one long chain of Mesiras Nefesh Letaira. So that was his father, Reb Aaron. So just going back now to the Aruch Laner as a child, he was first a Talmud of his father, and then in the year 1805, the son of the Shagas Aryeh, Rav Usher, who had been the Rav of Wallerstein, he became the Rav in Rabbi Yaakov's hometown of Karlsruhe. And he became a Talmud of Rabbi Asher. As he writes in one of his chuvas in Binyan Sion, he writes, Now that I'm talking about this sugya, I remember from this sugya, Shabimei Nurai, when I was younger, I was a Melitz, I became a defender for the Goyin Baal Shagas Aryeh, for the Shagas Aryeh, Shebenoi Siperli, because his son told me, Shematzah B'Seich Kisvei Aviv Zal Tshuva Arucha, whatever sugya they were learning. So Rev Usher told Rev Yaakov that he found in his father's writings a tshuva about this, and it seems that Rev Yaakov became a defender for that Torah. And in fact, in the Haskama that the Aruch Laner writes for the Gvura Sari, which is the Shagas Aryeh's uh, Sefer, he writes in the Haskama, Hine Bimei Churfi, he says, When I was younger, I would always hear from my Rebbe, Tehilois Chibure Aviv, the praises of his father's Svarim. And he, there's in, in, if you look in the Haskam over there, and under it, there's a little piece that the Arach Laner wrote to the one who was publishing it. And he wrote him and he said, I never saw the actual manuscripts of the Shagas Aryeh because Reb Asher used to keep them misugarim, locked up l'reiv chavivusam, because they were so beloved to him. So that's why he says that I, that's why he, he keeps on saying that I heard from Reb Asher. I heard his father because Reb Asher never showed them to him because he kept them locked up. Now the Derech Limud of Reb Asher 
was he he said to his own son on his deathbed that you should go lahavin divrei chazal to understand the words of chazal to not go not stray from the pshat hayosher v'haemes the straight and true pshat so very much understanding pshat and this is the mahalach that the aruch laner and his farim followed as well following his rebbe rebosher the son of the shagasari. Um, at that time was the uh, beginnings and the, the reform was taking, the reform movement was taking hold in Germany. Not many Bacharim were looking for yeshivas. Many were going off the derech, going to universities. Not many Bacharim were looking to sit in a yeshiva and learn. There was a famous yeshiva in the city of Würzburg, which is about two hours east by car of Karlsruhe. And there, there was a Talmud of Rav Nosen Adler. Rav Avram Halevi Bing was one of the big Talmud, one of the Talmud of Rav Nosen Adler. They write about him, he was a Moifes Bechasidus. He was something special in Chasidus. Diktuk HaMitzvahs, that's besides Limud HaShashva Poiskim. And this is what he taught his Talmudim. So Rabbi Yaakov went to learn there in that yeshiva. Um... Now, at that point, there's, it seems from that he went to learn in the University of Würzburg. And this um, creates a lot of tumult in the Torah world about the Aruch Lener and his view on college and going to university at the time. And, of course, there are many different opinions and many different um, understanding in what was going on. However, we're just going to quote a letter that one of his friends who signs his name as Reish, signs his name, and then he says his title is just interesting. Reish Tuf Mem is the Rashi Tevis that stands for Reves Tachas Masa, the one who is crouching under the load in the city of Valerstein. He was the Rav of Valerstein, and uh, that's how he signs his name. Reves Tachas Masai, I'm the one under the load of Valerstein. So he wrote this letter after the Aruch Lenar was Nifter. He wrote it to the family, like a Hespid. And he writes about this Tkufa. He remembers he was friends with him. And he wrote, a few hours and a few days a week, he would go and listen to Chachmas Chitzainius, two secular studies. It was necessary for the time. And to know what was going on. And to know what to answer for those on the left, those who are the Apikursim, the deniers, the Minim. And if it seems that he was going there not for an end unto itself, he was going there with a purpose, and his job in Germany was going to be very much a Melchama against the reform, and perhaps he felt it was necessary to be um, armed with some of this information. But the friend writes, and even then, he never stopped thinking Torah, he never stopped talking Torah, and he would learn Torah and mitzvahs with unbelievable shkeda. Most of those days he didn't go to sleep till after midnight. Not only that, even though he writes that he had enough money being sent from home for whatever, I don't know if his father, his father was, came from a, a well-to-do family, even though he was a Rosh Hashiva, but it seems that they, they were comfortable and he sent him, and this Talmud writes, he had plenty of money from home, but still he would, he was noig bihistapkos. He would t- fast a lot of times, he wouldn't eat a lot, 
he wouldn't eat to his fill. He was. This is like the Talmud of Reb Nassim Adler. We talked about the Balsham from Michelstadt, if you remember Reb Nassim Adler. This was their. This was their Mahalach. Histapkus bimuat. And so his friend writes, "This was Darach Laner." So so don't make it. And no one should make it out that college was his focus of his life. He went there for a few hours, a few days a week. He had a purpose for going there, and um, but really he was Kol Kuloi Oisek in Taira Kedusha. About after th- about three years being in that yeshiva in Germany at that time, there were pogroms called the Hep Hep pogroms. You can look it up and see the history of that. And they were coming to kill, and he jumped out a window and was saved from this uh, from these pogroms. And he decided to go back home. On his way back home, he made a stop at the yeshiva in a city called Firth, F-U-R-T-H, or Firth, and that was run by Rabbi Avram Wolf Hamburg. He stopped there for a little bit, and eventually he went back to his hometown of Karlsruhe. When he came back to his hometown, so he was a magnet for Talmidim, and he started giving shiurim, as we'll see in a moment. Aleph Elul of Tuf Kuf Peihei, um, he married his wife. His wife was named Genendel. She was the daughter of a very wealthy fan name, fellow named of Kutman Torlach, Wormser. He was a, from the city of Worms, where his family was. And um, in the Hakdama, again, to be Kure Yaakov, so the Arachlaner writes, Gam Tzidkas Adoni Chami, also the righteousness of my father-in-law, that he's the one who stood next to me that I should be able to learn comfortably to be able to delve into the depths of halacha. So his father-in-law supported him. Unfortunately, his wife, she lived for seven, they lived together for 17 years. She was nifter after 17 years, left him over with seven children. Um, after a short amount of time, his father-in-law actually found him another shidduch, a second marriage. Um, his second wife was a daughter of Reb Baruch Meir from the city of Würzburg. Her name was Sheva, and she, he had another three children with her. Um, well, so now he's married, and he's in the city of Karlsruhe, and he gave shiurim. He was only 22 years old. His shiurim, the Ziknei Lamdane Ha'ir, used to come. Everyone used to come to hear his shiurim. His father urged him to write down these shiurim, and these shiurim served actually for the basis of the Aruch Laner and Sanhedrin that he printed later on in life. Not only that, he was an unbelievable order. His jeroshes where people used to come and listen. Again, he was young. He was 22 years old at the time. In fact, at the crowning of the Grand Duke of Baden, Ludwig of Baden um, was in the shul in Karlsruhe in 1824. So at that time, he was all of 26 years old, Aruch Lener, and he was the main speaker. So you see, if they put him up to speak at such an event, that his oratory skills were something, uh, something special. In northwest of Baden, of this region called Baden, this German region, is a city called Mannheim. And in Mannheim there was a Kloiz, a Kloiz that was called the Kloiz of Rabbi Asher Lemela. Rabbi Asher Lemela. Reingenum, I think, was his last name. And what was a Kloiz? A Kloiz was a Bismedrish that was set up usually by very wealthy people. And the Talmidi Chachamim who learned in that Kloiz were supported by either whoever was Miyasa the Kloiz, the one who founded it, 
or very often it would make a fund, and even if they were no longer alive, the miyas de akloiz were no longer alive, they would have a fund that would support the Tamid Chachamim. So it wasn't like a regular yeshiva akloiz, akloiz the people who learned they were actually supported, and this Rabasha Lemela, or Rablemela as, as he was called, he was a very wealthy fellow, and he decided to make this kloiz. And even after he was nifter, there was an hala, there was a, uh, a board that made sure that um, the the rules of the kloiz were kept. And there were great um, rabbanim who were the rosh hashivas of these kloiz. And uh, Rabbi Yaakov was invited to be the rosh hakloiz in the year Cheshvan of 1825, Tovkov Pevav. And at that time, he was such an attraction, 70 Bachrim came to learn in the Klois as being him as the Rosh Hashiva. One of those Talmidim was at that was Reb Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, who came from the city of Hamburg to learn by the Arach Laner. And there were many other Talmidim, the, the, the next generation of Rabbonim in Germany were all the Talmidim of the Arach Laner. He was also not only the Rosh Hashiva of the Klois, he was always the, also the Rav of a city nearby and a whole uh, region nearby, Landenburg, he was also part of that, he was the Rav of that city, and he was also part of a group, a board, that, um, that uh, like an upper board they used to call it, that was in charge of running all the Jewish affairs of the entire region of Baden. However, when some of the people on this board decided to go a little bit reform, and they decided that they want to be in charge of who becomes Rabbanim, to giving smicha, and to giving rabbinic ordination, and some other things. So the Aruch Laner was very upset about it, and he broke ties with them. The truth is that that only raised his stature in everyone's eyes, not just the Fruma, the, the ones who were, who were keeping to the Torah, but even the ones that were trying to stray, they realized that he was a straight shooter, he was MS, and he wouldn't stand for anything that wasn't true. So everybody actually appreciated the fact that he stood up for what he felt was right. Um, he, was in, he was in Mannheim for 10 years. At the end of the 10 years, he unfortunately, Rahman al-Itzlan, um, lost a child at the age of 5 years old. His child's name was... Um, Yitzchak was Yitzchak, and actually I saw a picture of the uh, of the Pincus of the uh, of the um, of the notebook from the from the Chaver Kadisha where he had written it was written in the name of his child Ben it says Ben Roish Haklois Shorevlemela the head of the Klois of Revlemela Merena Rav Yaakov his child was Nifter. Um, in in uh, in Mannheim, and in fact, in the Hakdama to Pigure Yaakov, and this is the second um, Hakdama. As I said, there's two. He writes that Bikure is the same gematria as Li Yitzchak, Li Yitzchak for Yitzchak. So the name Bikure, um, he was Meramis, his son's name, his son Yitzchak. What happened after um, in uh, nineteen? In, I'm sorry, in 1835, ten years after being in Mannheim. As we talked about when we spoke about Reb Rafal Hamburger, there were three cities, the cities of Ehu, Kihilois Ehu, that was Altona, Hamburg, and Wadensbeck. Three cities near each other in northern Germany, and um, they were one Kihila. The great Rabbonim, who were Rabbonim in those, in that, those Kihilois, were the Chacham Tzvi, the Reb Rabbi Yenis and Ibshitz, Reb Rafal Hamburger, um, 
1811, the Kehillahs broke apart and they were no longer one unit. And in 1836, after the first rub of the, of the uh, broken apart Kehillah of Altona, they uh, hired the Arach Laner to be the rub. And they wrote, we found his taira, his midus, and his actions, like the ga'inim of the land, so again, he was all of 38 years old, and they're comparing him to the great ga'inim that, was the, that were the rabbanim earlier in this city, in these cities. When he was crowned in his hachtara, his first drasha, he said, what is the purpose of a Rav? Moshe Rabbeinu says, Asher lifneim, to go out and come in in front of them. And take them out and bring them in. So he says, first of all, a Rav has to know he can't be above his Kehillah. He can't be behind his Kehillah. He has to be the one. He has to lead the way. What does it mean, lead the way? He has to be a good example. He has to be an example for everyone of what's the right way of doing things. That's what it means to go in and out in front of them. And not only that, he has to bring them in and out, which means that he also has to be worried about their personal lives. He has to be worried about what they need in Gashmias. It's not enough to be in front of them and serve as a role model. He has to be intimately involved in their lives. And this is what he said in his first drasha, is the purpose, is the job of a Rav. Now if you open any of his svarim on the title page, before he writes his name, he writes, Shoimer Mishmeres HaKodesh, the one who is guarding the Mishmeres HaKodesh, Poi Altaina Vahamedina, here in the city of Altaina and the Medina. Now, how does he do that? How are you Shoimer Mishmeres HaKodesh? So the main way is through Harbatzas HaTayra. And the first thing he got himself involved in, um, besides the yeshivas that he had, as we've seen, the first thing in Altona is he made sure that there was a proper school for the boys. They should not have to learn in public school, in the secular schools. And in fact, there were people who were upset about this. The nuke, the uh, reformers and the uh, and the progressives were upset about this old-time Moisa that he's opening, and he stood very strong against them until eventually the Danish government, again, this was part of Denmark. Um, if you remember, even Rebbe Fall Hamburger, we mentioned, it was part of Denmark, um, Altona. Later on, in, in while the Aruch Lener was still alive, it became part of Prussia, which is Germany, but in the beginning it was part of Denmark, and the Danish government eventually recognized the boys' school, even though it was not, so to speak, what the New Age was trying to say um, we should have. And once he was successful with the boys' school, he made a girls' school along the same lines. And he was involved in, in the schools. He would give bechinus in the schools in order that the cho children should have a, a Tyradik chinuch. Um, there was a Bezdin. This Bezdin, um, I think we mentioned this by River Fall Hamburger too, if I'm correct. The Bezdin was recognized by the Danish government, and in fact, it was the any any verdicts were actually um, were actually carried out by the police. It was actually like an official court of the of the kingdom. Um, the Archlaner sat on this Bezdin two and three hours a day, and it wasn't only from Altona. Even though Hamburg 
was not part of this kehila anymore, but anyone who needed a dintaira went to Altona. It's not a, it's not far, but it's, even though it's a different kehila at the moment, they went there for all their dintaira because they wanted to be under the aruch Liner. And his piskei din were niskabel; they were accepted by everyone. Sometimes they would paskin on things that the earlier generations in Altona or in the Kehilos of Ehu had paskined on. For example, in one of his chuvas, he writes that here in this Bezdin, Nifsa Kamapamim, whatever the chuvas about a, a making an oath, we paskin many times. And he says, and since many great Gedolim and many great Bali Hayra, Yoshvu al Kisei Hayra Po sat in this seat. Umichlalam, and amongst them the Goyin, the Knesset Yechezkel, the Balhatumim, that's Rabbi Anisanai Beshitz, Mistama Pipaskam Nagukain. So, if this is what the Bezdin's been doing, says the Rachlaner, we could assume it's because of the Psak of the great Goyinim of earlier generations. And then in that Indian, he writes that the Dayanim told me that before I got here, they had written a letter to the Chassam Seifer, and he agreed with this Hanhaga. So, you see, he gave credence to different. Minhagim um, that the Bezdin had from generations before, assuming that they were based on the Gedolim who were part of this Bezdin. In Tafresh Chav Gimel, the king of Denmark, in order to make equality amongst the Jews, he decided why should they have their own Bezdin? They could use the regular secular courts. So it was Mavatel, the Bezdin, and uh, it, it remained a regular normal Jewish Bezdin, but not with all of the uh, clout that it carried in the secular world. And because of that, Reb Darach Lener did not have to be busy with it as much, because it wasn't the, the same thing. And therefore he was, much, he was actually very happy about it. He was able to focus more on his Talmidim and on the Yeshiva. Um, he was the rub there when he was the rub there for 33 years. When he hit 25 years, it's interesting in his in his original ksav of rabbanus that they gave him. It says it's a long ksav with all you could see it in the in the new binyan scenes in Akdama. They bring it um, all different things of what his jobs are and who does what long things. But it says it's only for three years. Lamaisa he was there for 36 years, and um, and um, and. Um, after 25 years, it was a big thing. No one had been a rav there for so long. There was a great simcha in Altona. They made a whole big party. Um, there were songs. There were there was music. There were special shirim that were composed, tefillahs and praises. Also, you could find that in the Akdama to Binyan Tzion. And uh, they, they, they decorated the shul. It was a major, major celebration. Um, the one thing he was happy about was that they made a foundation, a fund, on his name, it was called his the Etlinger Fund, that would give out money to Talmidei Chachamim, B'nai Aniim, poor people who would dedicate their lives to Torah. And this fund remained until the Holocaust. It was still giving out money, named after the Aruch Lener, And that was a present that he felt very good about. He was very happy about it. What else does it mean, Shaymer Mishmeres HaKadosh? He fought against the Reform. The Reform, in 1842, they made a sitter. And in that Siddur, they left out anything about Yerushalayim and Tzion. And Aruch Lener fought, he supported a cherem against it, even though the government wasn't so happy about it. A year later in Frankfurt, they got together the reform and they wanted to be Mavato Mitzvah's Mila. He also fought against them very stark. 
1844, there was the famous Brunswick Conference that the Reform got together to make changes. They decided Kol Nidre is no longer integral, so therefore they got rid of Kol Nidre. They approved interfaith marriages, um, and the Orch Laner went, went to get 77 Rabbonim to sign against it. Initially, it was 77 Rabbonim. It eventually reached 300 Rabbonim against it, and there was such opposition, they were supposed to make this conference annual. They stopped making this annual conference, and he fought against it. Um, he was the address for the fight against the reform. Rabbi Shloim Eger was worried in his city of Posen what was going to be, and the Orch Laner called him to come to Altona to talk about it. The Marsha wrote a scathing letter. He, he was very unhappy with the Rabbonim of Germany who weren't coming out to just disown and disenfranchise the entire reform movement and like say they're just not part of Kla Yisrael and we have nothing to do with them. And he wrote a, a letter too and he said to, to the Rabbonim including the Arch Laner, and he says he doesn't know why the Arch Laner, are they afraid of them? Are they afraid of these, of these big people? Um, you should come out with a psak that they're not Yehudim. But it's interesting because he himself writes the Marsha, he says, but, and this is really probably what Tarek Laner and others held, they said that if they do that, if we do that, then anyone who really has a chance of, so to speak, being Niskarev back to Tyra will be totally lost if we totally write them off. And that's probably why they didn't with all that was happening. But again, we see that the Aruch Lener was the address um, for the fight against uh, the reform. He also worked very hard for Eretz Yisrael, sent uh, tremendous funds to Eretz Yisrael, so much so that the Rabbonim in Yerushalayim, both Ashkenazi and Svardi, they crowned him as Nisi Eretz Yisrael, the, the Prince of Eretz Yisrael, they gave a long proclamation, um, crowning him as the Nisi Eretz Yisrael. One of the big things that he did was, there was a, a group of called Kailal Haid, Haid stand, uh, stood for Holland and Deutschland, Holland and Germany, and they went and built in, built in the old city of Yishalayim what's called Bate Machse. Bate Machse, if you if you're having Yishalayim and you're going through Sharyafo by car to go to the Kaisel, so you make a couple of turns there, and the last uh, curve we way down after the Armenian quarter, going past the Jewish quarter, is actually called Bate Machse, Rechov Bate Machse. You can look on the map as well. And over there was Bate Machse, was that they built this, this uh, Kailo, this group, um, sent money to build apartments, nice, uh, pretty nice apartments, for Tamidei Chachamim Aniyim, for poor Tamidei Chachamim. And the Aruch Laner was very proud of this, and he was very involved, and he was very involved in the building of it. It was like two-room apartments, if I remember correctly, with a kitchen. It was something that was, was a little bit, uh, was, was, was not the norm in the old city of Yishalayim at that time, and uh, he was very proud of that. After the Aruch Laner was Nifter, they actually made a house there called Beis Yaakov, named after him, which is actually even a fancier Dira than the others. And there was, uh, the, not only did the uh, Kailo, so to speak, the ones in charge of the fund, but also the family had a right to decide who lives there. And there were Takanis, if you live there, like on the, on the Aruch Laner's yard site, you'd have to learn from his Farim and Davin, Le'ilu Nishmasai. Great Gedalim lived there, Rabbi Avram Shag lived there, Rabbi Yisuf Chaim Zonenfeld, who Bechlal 
was very uh, loved the svarim of the Arch Laner from when he was a child. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Chaim loved the svarim. He used to give them out and, and he used to learn them. Ritzi Pesach Frank lived there. So uh, many Gedolim lived there and they kept up this the day of his yard site, all of the Takanas. In 1948, when the Jordanians took over, the, the Beis Yaakov house um, was destroyed. Over there now, there's Beis Rothschild also. Um, sometimes if you go on a tour over there, by Matbate Machsa, that's that area. What were his Sfarim? The first Sefer he printed was Bikure Yaakov on Hilchas Sukkah in Lulav. Um, in Tovkuf Tzadivov. And then a second time, he reprinted it with a second half called Toisvis Bikurim. What's Taisis Bikurim? He writes that in there are the Ha'aris and the Hasagais, the comments that he got from Go'inev Rabboni Hazman. So people wrote him Hagais on his Sefer Bikurim Yaakov, Gidoilim, and he incorporated them into the Sefer, and he answered, the, sometimes he answered them as well. And in that Hakdama, the second Hakdama, he writes that when my Sefer reached to Rashke Bahag, Rabban Shakobne Agoyle, Rabkiva Eger, he says, Rabbi Kivager, I found favor in his eyes to come to a to to to. He wrote to me. I'm much younger than him in Chachma. I'm smaller in Chachma and in years. And Rabbi Kivager wrote Hagoyis on it. Um, I saw from one of Rabbi Kivager's Einaklach. I don't remember who it was. That he says he doesn't think there's another sefer that Rabbi Kivager wrote Hagoyis like he did on the Aruch Laner. And in fact. In Simon Tavresh Chav Zayin Tzivkat and Gimel, Rabbi Kivega writes, Tehilolakel, praise to Hashem, Hayisi bar Mazle, that I'm in the same mazel as you, Bozet, in this thing, Vikivanti Lidaite Hakadayla. Rabbi Kivega says that I was Mechavin to your great das. You think about it, Rabbi Kivega was the Galda Hadar. He was 76 years old at the time. The Aruch Laner was 36 years old, 40 years younger. And Rabbi Kivega not only wrote Hagois on the Sefer, Rabbi Kivega says to him, I'm Baruch Hashem that I was Mechavin to the same thing that you said. Um, the Mishabura brings the Bikura Yaakov many, many times as a source for Halacha and Hilchas Dalad Minim. Chuvas Binyan Siyain, that's his Chuvas to many Gedoli Yisrael, for example, among some of them, Reb Kivager, Rebellia Gutmacher, his Talmud, Reb Shamshir and Fal Hirsch, the Baal Shem from Michelstadt, Simon Chavches, he has a tshuva to him, Reb Yitzhak Inspector, the Kovnerov. So, tshuvas bin Yensi and many different tshuvas to Gedolim. He wrote a sefer, Minchas Oni Al Hatera, Drushes, um, from, uh, from the Aruch Laner. And he also put out a, uh, a Yarchain, um, a periodical of Torah that was from the year Tafresh Vav until the year Tafresh Tezvav. For those um, nine years, it was called Shoimer Tzioin Hanemon. It was the first, I think, of like these type of Torah periodicals. Later on in history, you find other ones. Rabbi Saul Salanter had one, and, and other Gedolim and Yeshivas mm-hmm. had them. But he seemed to be one of the first, and this was, again, because he was fighting against the Reform, who had a lot of printings and newspapers and, and, and periodicals, and he wanted to have a Torah one for people to to keep the Hashkafas and Taira, and he called it Shoimer Tzioin Hanemon. Um, the Aruch Laner, the Aruch Laner is his most famous of Svarim, and it's on the Mesechtis Yevamis, Krisis, Nida, Sanhedrin, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkah, and Makois. In the Agdamat Yevamis, he writes that on the Mesechtis and Seder Nashim, like Gittim and Kedushim, there are many Perushim. But on Yevamis, the Achreinim didn't write a lot 
a pirush that encompassed the entire Masechta. And he says that I saw that the Pnei Yeshua writes that if he'll have a long life, if Hashem will give him years, he'll write a pirush on Masechta Yavamus um, like on other Masechtas. Um, however, unfortunately, says the Aruch Lener, the Pnei Yeshua did not. And therefore, the Aruch Lener decided he's going to write on Yavamus. And if you'll notice, he picked Masechtas that are not as common to have Sonim Mepharshim, Krisus, Nida, Sanhedrin, um, Makais, Rosh Hashanah, and Sukkar, Mayadim Masechtas, that already have much more uh, Mepharshim on them, Sifsechachamim, like, and uh, other Svarim as well. Um, he also writes that I focused on Rashi, to protect Rashi, to fight to fight for him, for all the questions that Taisvis asks on him. And, um, and uh, he called it Aruch Lener. Why is he called it Aruch Lener? He calls it Aruch Lener because he says that I'm only setting up a candle. Aruch means like a range. He says, because I'm not really enlightening anyone. I want to, people to enlighten themselves. I have arranged it that a person on his own could start thinking ner to bring up the ner of his own seichel. As we mentioned before, Aruch Lener is also the gematria of Aaron and Rachel, his parents. It's also the gematria of Oyel Larashi, a tent for Rashi. He says, because I put a protective tent around Rashi to protect him from those who have fought against him and asked questions on him and I defended him. So I put a tent over him. So it's also the gematria of Oyel um, Larashi. In Nakdama Tanida, he writes that five mesechtas from the five sedarim, um, sukkah, Again, Rosh Hashanah and Sukkah are both from Mayit, so Sukkah. Makkah is Krisus, Nida, and Yavamis. Um, and Sanhedrin and Makkah are both from, from Nezikin. So those five Mesechtas are the Oisiyais Samcheni to, uh, to support me. And he says, this is, I thank Hashem that till now, Simachani, He supported me in the past. And I Davin Samcheni, He should please support me in the future. Just want to say quickly some two chidushim, famous chidushim from the Arach Laner. Number one is that he 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 brought up a a a, a big idea in the Olam Hatayra. Rav Chaim Palaji even brings this idea that someone who takes a lulav around the Makam Hamigdash or near Kivrei Beis David in Yerushalayim, they still have kedusha and your mekayim a mitzvah say min Hatayra all seven days. In the, according to the Torah, Lulav is seven days in the Beis HaMikdash, one day in the rest of the world. So the Aruch Lener said, nowadays, if you're anywhere around the Beis HaMikdash, you're Mekayim the Mitzvah, all seven days, Minat Torah, and therefore you have to be Nizhar, that whatever we are Nizhar on the first day, like Lachem, and all these types of things, you have to be Nizhar in all the Churmas of the first day, all seven days. And that was his Chiddush, and now... Many gedolim are makbid to go every day to the to the uh, to the to the kaisel to shake the dalad minim in order to be mekayim this mitzvah. It's interesting to note that the meshechachma, the remeir simcha, and chedusha remeir simcha, and sukkah, likutim and sukkah, brings this chedish and he writes shibush gadol. This is a big mistake. Chas milahazker. You should not even mention such a thing, and he proves it wrong. So it's a big tumult. Um, another interesting chiddush in Bikura Yaakov is very interesting. He says that we know the Dalad Minim have to, you have to take them derech gidulon, the way they grow. You can't take them upside down. So he says, L'chaira, if we're in Europe, we're in the northern hemisphere. 
So any Esraigim that come from the southern hemisphere, Australia, he says, or South America, for us, they're really growing upside down. Now, the fact that the people on the bottom don't fall off the world is because there's gravity. But really, they're upside down. And if they're upside down, everything that's growing is growing upside down. So therefore, if we're going to take an asterisk from the southern hemisphere and hold it with the pitam up, it's really upside down. That's what he declares, such a thing. And then he says, no, because maybe in that place, it's growing right side up. That's enough that even if we're in the northern hemisphere, it's called right side up. Another interesting chiddush. Um, one uh, last chiddush before we talk about his petira is also something interesting. There's a, there's a kuntris called Maidolaves Yisrael. When machine matzahs came out, it was a big tumult. Now, machine didn't necessarily mean electric. It could even be with a crank, but it wasn't hand matzahs. Reb Shleim Kluger got a bunch of gedolim to write letters against it, and they called it Maidol Rabbi Yisrael. The Shoilomeshev Rabbi Yosef Shalom Natanzin, the, the Rav of Lavav of Lemberg, he wrote a kuntris called Bittol Maida, and that's the Gedolim who are for it. And Arach Lener wrote that he's for it, and he wrote that at first there were some things that needed to be misaken, he had to fix up to make sure that it wasn't, that it's better. Once he was misaken it, he says it's behidur, it's a hidur to, to, to have machine matzahs, and he writes, that even though matzahs don't have to be round, I asked them to make the machine matzahs round because people are going to wonder. They always had round matzahs. Now you have square matzahs. So Hidafka made a takana that the machine matzahs should be round. So it shouldn't, shouldn't be for a dover achadosh for the hamoinam, for the regular people who are not accustomed to it. But then he writes something very interesting. And I'm sorry I'm going a few minutes over. He writes, And I wonder on certain rabbonim that they said it's aser. He says, I'm sure they mean L'Shem Shemayim, but clearly they don't know how the machine works. And if they would see it, they would probably agree it's okay. He says, you'll say, They don't like new things. He says, Even we, the German Rabbanim, who are the ones who are straight, We're not into new things either. But he says, when you have scientists or craftsmen or chachmei hateva, we're mechadish something. Why shouldn't we use it in order to better our kiyom of mitzvahs Hashem, b'yeser oiz, in a better way? So that's a little bit of his outlook on life, that of course we're going to keep the, the mesaira, but we're going to use technology, we're going to use things if it's going to better our avoidas Hashem. He was nifter chafhei kislev, Tafrei Shlamet Beis, 1871. He was 73 years old. In his Savo, he said very strongly, you cannot be maspid him or be mishabeach him. You cannot write on his Matseva Tzadik. You could just list the name of his Svarim. Um, the Gedolim at the time were looking for ways to be maspid him and not to go against his Psak. And the way that they did it, the Shalomashiv said, I'm not being, we're not crying over him, we're crying over ourselves. Um... And I'm sorry, um, some Gedalim said that, some not the Shalomeshev. The Shalomeshev and, and the Ismach Moshe and the Maram Shik, they did things a little differently. The Ksav Seifer was nifter about a month later, and Yud Testeves said they were masbid both of them together, the Ksav Seifer with the Aruch Laner. So either it was they said we're masbid, we masbid ourselves, or they incorporated it in the loss of the second Gadol, the Ksav Seifer. Um, the Aruch Laner loved Eretz Yisrael so much that he actually prepared a box 
full of dirt from Eretz Yisrael. His body should be buried fully in the dirt. Not like now, and in Chutzlars, they take a little uh, a bag, a little bit of dirt from Eretz Yisrael. He had a box prepared that his entire body should be covered in the dirt of Eretz Yisrael and buried that, that way. Um, at that time, the old cemetery had already been closed by the uh, government, even though his Rebetzin, who had been Nifter, uh, about 29 years before him, seems got, was able to be buried there, there. but um, they had to get another special permit for the Arach Lener to be buried in the Chalkas Rabbanim there, together with the Gedolim, Rabbi Yenisenaibshitz, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, Rabbi Fall Hamburger, they're all buried there, and um, he is buried there as well. Lamaisa, he is known as the father of the savior of German Jewry, because his Talmud, Rabbi Shamshir Fall Hirsch, in Frankfurt, his Talmud Reb Ezra Hildesheimer in Berlin, and he himself, what he set up in Altona and Hamburg, these were the strongholds that made sure that even though reform swept through Germany, these were the salvation of German Jewry, and it's all Nisiachus back to the Arach Laner. He stood up against the reform. All of the, these were some of his Talmidim, but all the G'dayle Rabbonim of Germany afterwards, until the Mohama were Talmidim or Talmidim of his Talmidim, and therefore he's credited as the one who actually stood up and through his Talmidim and through the groundwork that he lay for German Jewry um, in, in the cities that he was in, the actual um, salvation of true German Jewry is Nisiachas to the Arach Laner. Again, his yard site will be the first day of Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos, Friday, Chaf Hei Kislev, 149th yard site. Um, have a wonderful day, everyone, and a freilichin chanaka habaleinu letayva kaltuf.